You are listening to Just Another Podcast. Contact us directly at Just Another Podcast Live at gmail.com. Hey, welcome to another episode of Just Another Podcast. I'm your boy Daryl. And I'm your boy Will. And we have a special guest today, Mr. Ashton Legend. Hey, say what up to the people, man. He's probably the youngest podcaster known to man. Listen, it has to be 12 days old and, and, and killing the game. That's real. That's real. So just to address the, the, the matching outfits, we do want you guys to know uh, that this episode is sponsored by The Heritage Clothing. Um, so we have a special promo code for you guys. If you use the promo code JAP10, you will get 10% off if you buy a crew neck and 20% off if you buy two crew necks. So make sure you check out their website at theheritageclothing.com. It's a great company. We know this, know the owner personally. I mean, we know heritage means a lot for a lot of different people, uh, but this brand definitely strives to to bring something new and something fresh for the culture. Mm. Um, so again, shout out to the Heritage Clothing. Uh, shout out to the owner, Marcus Jones. Uh, we look forward to shopping with you further in the future. Um, and these Jones is actually good quality too. Mm-hmm. Very much so. Like very comfortable, very plush. De- definitely love it. And, you know, talk about heritage, Daryl. One word that comes to mind is legacy. And so when you think about, when you think about your family, when you think about your life trajectory, where you see yourself going, when you, th- when you think about the word legacy, what comes to mind? But yeah, so one of the things that I've been thinking about a lot is legacy, right? Um, and so, you know, in the last probably about a year and a half, I've lost both of my grandfathers. And so they were very musical men and just seeing my family and who they are is directly tied to the legacy that they left behind. Um, and so it makes me as a young man just wonder what will my legacy be? Um, definitely wanting to to establish something that's going to live far beyond me. And I think that's why I'm kind of the way I am when it comes to my personality and kind of how I set my life up. I'm really, I'm really against being complacent. And it's, it's because I, I have that desire to leave something behind and that desire to create a legacy. Um, and so yeah, I think I think legacy is a wonderful thing. For me, I'm still mapping it out and trying to figure out exactly what that looks like. But I definitely want it to be bigger than anything I've ever seen. Mm, that's powerful. That's powerful. It's interesting. When I think about the term legacy, for me, I you know, coming from a, a Cameroonian background, you know, um, immigrating to the States when I was about six or seven years old and really taking in, taking in a whole new culture. And, you know, some of the similarities that, you know, Dale, you and I share is, you know, striving, striving not only for excellence, but striving to see things that we've never seen before. And I think, you know, my son here <laughs> currently sleep, but, you know, he has forced me to be motivated in a way that I can't even think possible. And, you know, just a quick story today, as I was writing um, my dedication page for my dissertation, I thought about who do I want to dedicate this dissertation to? And honestly, it had to be him because just going back a couple months back, you know, um, back in, I want to say it was like late, late September, early October, I had gotten to a really dark place. You know, I was, I was uh, self-conscious about my writing. I was self-conscious about how strong my dissertation was. But one day I just sat down and had a realization like, yo, Will, you have a son coming in a couple months. You have somebody that is going to be temp- dependent on you in a couple months. Okay, buddy, I got you. And, you know, it's important that not only do you get this done, but you start uh, creating the the playbook or the bricks to ensure that he has everything that you never had, right? And I think, like, that's one of the reasons why we work so hard, because, like, our parents before us, like, similar to your mom, like, your mom is one of the hardest working people I've ever met. Right. And, you know, she busted her butt to make sure that her kids had the things that she needed. And like similar with my mom, like I remember growing up and my mom would not only work like a full shift, 
But on the weekend, she working doubles just to make sure that we got extra money to put on the table. And seeing her ambition and seeing that hard work really pushed me to ensure that, you know, not only did I have a successful life, um, but also ensured that my child or my children um, are able to elevate to levels that we never thought possible. And that's, excuse me, I think that's probably one of the biggest challenges for many people, right? Mm. Because a lot of people have to weigh the balance between how do I get to the level that I want to achieve mm-hmm. while also respecting where I came from, mm. right? Um, and it, it is so, like, I think we kind of talk about the dynamics, right? I think no matter what your situation is, how you respond to it really makes or breaks how your life will turn out, right? And Mm -hmm. so we have moms that work extremely hard, crazy hours, overnight. And I think there's two responses that most people can have. You could either say, I respect that. And that's my definition of hard work. And that's Mm -hmm. what I want to do in my life. Mm -hmm. Or you can say, I respect that, but I'm going to learn from it, Mm. right? Mm. Um, And so I know you kind of talked about, um, I know you kind of talked about the analogy of the two jobs. Did you want to kind of tell the people about that? Sure, sure. So there's this uh, podcast that I watch, um, this financial podcast called Earn Your Leisure um, University, EYL. And one of the um, the commentators they always bring on, he called himself uh, the Wall Street Trapper, uh, AKA Mr. Trapper. But he said something that was so pivotal. He was like, I've never met somebody with two jobs that makes more than somebody with one job. Well, I'm gonna say that one, I'm gonna say that one more time for the people in the back. He said, I have never met somebody with two jobs that makes more money than the person with one job, right? And I'm not talking about people that, you know, are doing extremely well in one job and have a side hustle. No, I'm talking about like the average day people that might be working at the mall, but also have a job working as um, in a restaurant or somebody that may be working at a department store, but also has a job working as a, um, a nurse's assistant, right? And so it's one of those situations that, you know, I, I often ask myself, and this is a question that, you know, Darren and I used to always ask ourselves when we were when we were younger, what do we aspire for? What is it that we want to do? And for me, one of my biggest driving forces is my mother, right? Because my mother came to this country with no formal education uh, past 12th grade. You know, she's been um, a nurse's assistant for as long back as I can remember. And it's one of the, and you know, it's one of those situations, like I see how hard she works and I hate the fact that like at the age of 60 plus, she's still working, right? At the age of 60 plus, like she's still clocking in or like she's still, you know, doing like, like still in this rat race. And for me, that's one of the, my biggest ambitions. And, you know, I've told, this is something that Darren and I talk about often, but at the age of 40, I don't plan on working for anybody. At the age of 40, I want to be financially free and financial independent to the point where I have enough passive income coming in that I can run businesses, I can be active in my children's life, I can be active in my family's life, and I can have enough uh, capital to be able to give back to communities that have not only given back so much to me, but to those communities that really need it. Yeah, and I think think that's important, man. I think I know we do talk about financial freedom a lot. We do talk about success. And I always like to clarify that by no means are we saying do not follow your passions in order to achieve this financial success. Um, I think we definitely believe regardless what your passion is, there are ways um, there are resources and there are opportunities that can be taken advantage of that can give you that financial freedom where you're not trading your time for money. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, And so I think that's where it kind of gets dangerous is when you're only worth how many hours you can work, Mm -hmm. it limits how much money you can make. Mm -hmm. And 
there's a guy named Jamal King. So have you heard of Jamal King? I have not. So he he's the guy that works with, um, he's one of Eric Thomas' close friends now. Um, and so him and Eric Thomas made uh, this class or this course called Make Real Estate Real. Um, and basically his main philosophy is that you should have an asset for every expense that you have, right? Um, and I don't think that's something that people in our communities, and I don't want to speak for all Black people or all people from North Carolina or the South, or but I know I have never been talked to about assets, mm-hmm. right? When we think about developing as a man when we think about growing and starting families i've never had someone sit me down and tell me the difference between an asset and a liability and what an investment is and how does interest work you know like i applied for my first credit card like a lot of us do in college you know we didn't know about authorized users you know a lot of people are in situations where if your parents put you on your credit it might make you worse off you know what I'm saying? Some people out here, some people out here got cable bills in their name right now from time one cable that they don't want to pay off. And so I think where you come from really shapes that narrative. But I, I think in our communities, there's so much room for growth when it comes to kind of just talking our children through what are what are the options outside of working? Because you can work your job and still have passive income. Like if your if your passion, no matter how big or small it is, our, our thing is find ways to be financially stable and create financial freedom outside of your nine to five um, and grow those assets to a point where you don't have to, to trade your time for money. And with that, let's take a quick commercial break. We'll be right back with you all. This podcast was brought to you by Optical Illusions Photography and Media. Let us capture your best moments in the perfect way. So we are back from our break and we were kind of talking about resources and just just whether or not we even have these conversations in our communities Um, And I was just kind of explaining. I didn't really have those conversations. What was your experience like, Will? I didn't either. You know, like, I grew up in a house where, you know, I love my mom to death. But, you know, finances just weren't her strong suit, like a lot of our families, right? And so from a very early age, I knew the importance of finances, but more so I knew the importance of credit. And I I think that's something that um, is bypassed a lot in our communities. Like you recently mentioned Like we hear so many stories about, oh, when you were younger, maybe it was a light bill that was put in your name, whether it was a phone bill, whether it was a cable bill. And because that was never paid off, now that's on your credit report. And you're graduating uh, from college or you're going to get that first house or going to get that first apartment. And you're wondering why you're not able to get it because you have a four something or a five something credit score, right? And so for me, that's one thing that I learned extremely early And I think, you know, one of my favorite um, phrases of all time, and this is a mantra that I live by, is by uh, Albert Einstein, where he said, compound interest is the eighth wonder of the world. Those who understand it, earn it, and those who don't pay it, right? And, you know, just to break that down a little bit, when you think about compound interest, compound interest is the interest that's compounded on money that you either own, money that's either your money, or money that you owe somebody else, right? So for example, a lot of us have credit cards and the way credit cards companies make money is, let's say you have a $10,000 limit on your credit card and um, they charge you an annual APR of like 24%, right? For every dollar that you spend on that credit card, whether it's monthly or annually, they're charging you that 24%. So in addition to, yes, they're loaning you out that $10,000 to use as you would, you, you see fit, but most people don't realize that, you know, when they get their credit card, don't really understand how interest works, don't really understand how credit works, and they go max out their cards, 
and you're paying your minimum balance, whether it may be $25 or $35, but what you're not realizing is that $35 or $25 that you're paying, that's going toward the interest. That's not even going toward the principal. Whereas how compound interest can work in your favor is if you have money in a bank or you have money in the stock market, which that's a whole nother conversation. One of my favorite conversations, by the way, and Daryl hates talking about it, but it's one of those situations where you can actually make your money work for you and actually make more money off um, the money that you have in the market. Daryl, y'all mute. Oh, my fault. Yeah. So that, that's good stuff. I think we definitely need to have, and I know, I know people probably like, yo, that's all they talk about. Right. And it's, it's not all, I mean, I'm going to be transparent. Me and Will had these conversations before this podcast idea ever came up. Right. Um, and I, I think it's important that you surround yourselves with people who will give you knowledge in areas that you may not know a lot in. Right. Um, and so me and Will disagree a lot, but I think that's what makes our friendship valuable. Right. Um, and so you got to be careful of putting yourselves in situations where <laughs> I don't know what's going on over there, but putting yourselves in situations where the people in your circle all think like you um, and everybody's on the same path and Sometimes you need those friends that can kind of challenge you and your ways of thinking in a lot of different ways. Sure. All right. So one of the, again, and this is something that I learned early in life and a really good friend of mine told me, he was like, well, you know, when you look around your circle, when you look at the, the, the five people that you talk most to, right. Whether that may be your parents, that may be your friends, that may be your colleagues, that may be your coworkers. What, what, how do those different people differ from your perspective? But most importantly, what are you learning from those five people, right? And for me, it was something that I never really thought about. And I really have to say stock about it. Like, all right, so I talk to Daryl a lot, okay? I talk to Ashley a lot. At work, I talk to this person. I talk to that person. As, and then I really had to, you know, come down to a consensus. Like, what do these people bring to the conversation, right? And I'm not necessarily saying that, oh, you need to just surround yourself around people that are giving you things, right? No, what I'm saying is surround yourself around people who are helping build you up. For a very long time, I was very, like, before I really got into investing in the stock market, I didn't really know much about it, right? And so at work, um, my boss at the time, she had just been investing for a while. She was still a novel investor, but she knew a little bit about, um, you know, the stock market. And so her and I would always have conversations about Tesla because that's one of the companies that we invested a lot in. And then when I left that job and went to another job, one of my really good friends, the majority of what we talked about were just investing in planning for, you know, your family, planning for your children, planning, planning for the legacy that you want to leave after you leave this world. And he just, and it was, it was almost like, you know how like you hear one thing from somebody, then you constantly hear from other people over and over and over again. And so for me, it was one of those situations that the people that I spent the most time around the people that I put the most energy into, I wanna make sure that not only am I giving, not only am I pouring into you, but you're also pouring into, pouring into me, right? And I think a prime example is Daryl and I. Like Daryl is probably one of the most fundamentally best business minds I've ever met in my life, right? And I say that because Daryl doesn't have an MBA, Daryl's undergrad is not in business. Like Daryl never got a degree in business, but he fundamentally understands how to run businesses. He fundamentally understands how to start something from the ground up and make it successful. And even this podcast, I can't tell you how many people I've heard from like, yo, like y'all graphics are crazy. This little videos that y'all put together are wild. Half the time, Daryl's just bored doing that in his, in his house, right? But like, they're so catchy. And a lot of that, that's what people pay people hundreds of thousands of dollars to do. But these are all skills that he self-taught himself. And we talked about in an um, earlier episode about how he started off his photography company with a cool pics camera that I gave him as a bribe to help me move. And now he has a thriving, uh, or a thriving company in Optical Illusions. Right. Shout, shout out to Optical Illusions. We just went viral on 
TikTok. Um, so if you guys, I know this might be a week or two late, but when you when I when we're recording this, I just created a TikTok 48 hours ago. I have a video with over 300,000 views. So if you're on TikTok, go to Optical Illusions and support your boys. It's going faster than I can imagine. I'm hoping I can turn it into something that can, of course, lead the leads and grow the business. Um, but it's crazy because I feel like sometimes when you find yourself in the right space, it's like there's just, I feel like there's a certain level of grace, right? And so, mm -hmm. so many people are in spaces where they're frustrated because they just can't figure it out, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. um, and my thought is sometimes it may be because you're not where God wants you to be. Mm. Um, and so when you're working and you're moving and you're navigating with in God's plan, sometimes there's just an unexplainable grace that comes with it. Like mm -hmm. when you on God's paths, there's some doors that will just open. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. um, and I never like for and I, and I know I joke about it, but like the TikTok thing is a big deal. Right. Never had I thought, you know, start a TikTok for your company. Never never crossed my mind as much as I know about social media, as much as I know about TikTok, never thought to do it. Like I I run a company that does videography. Mm -hmm. Why not post videos? Right. And it wasn't until I was investing it, like learning about Instagram and, you know, learning about conversations with starting reels and making different types of content for my Instagram that I said, I might as well make a TikTok. Mm -hmm. right and it's kind of like you just sometimes you sometimes when you're consistent and you're doing the things that you should be doing you'll actually fumble into some other things and that's kind of mm -hmm. what i talk about like like the grace like i accidentally fell into making a tiktok and two days later i have over twice the number of followers that i got on every other platform combined mm. you know um and so I, I think there is definitely a level of favor that is put on your life when you're willing to say, God, what is it that you want me to do? Um, and how can I really be in your will so that I won't be in your way? Mm. Right. And so you don't want to be in God's way for sure. Um, so if you're if you're one of those people who are just really trying to figure it out and you don't know which way to go, Ask yourself, have you talked to, if, if you do have a faith, have you talked to your higher being? Have you talked mm -hmm. to God about it? Have you talked to yourself about it? Because mm -hmm. sometimes you get so caught up in society that you just trying to do what you think should be done. Mm -hmm. And do you mind, if I, you mind if I take it a step further with that? Go ahead. To that last point that you just made, right? Like, I feel like a lot of us, and before I make this, um, before I make the statement, I believe college is incredibly important. I have two degrees currently working on finishing my third degree, but I feel like for a lot of us, when we go to college, it's almost like this, um, it's almost like this, um, herd mentality that all right, I need to major in this specific major graduate with this degree, get a job in this degree, stay in this, um, in this job for 30 plus years and retire with a pension. Right. And I think, you know, yes, back in the day, that might have been fine for our parents. But, you know, in today's day and age, like, that's not the case. You know, key in point, um, back last March, like many people around the world or around the, the nation, like, I was part of that 40 million people that got laid off, right? I, um, you know, things, you know, I remember early, late February, early March, um, our CEO then pulled us all into a room and, you know, told us that, you know, due to this new thing called COVID, we all have to go home and, you know, it'd probably be a week or two. And again, nobody knew the true impact 
of what COVID, COVID was going to be, right? Because, like, let's not forget, prior to uh, COVID, we had the Ebola uh, pandemic, but because, you know, proper actions were taken, like, that was demobilized very quickly. So, again, like, everybody thought, all right, maybe two weeks, maybe a month at most. Nobody th- thought that almost a year later we would still be dealing with this, right? And so, you know, we go home, and, like, most people, work from home, it's like, all right, bet, don't, I don't have to drive to work. I can wear whatever. I, you know, just get on Zoom calls, get my work done bet so fast forward about two weeks after um we actually got sent home like you know everybody was starting to hear those conversations that we didn't want to really hear furlough and unfortunately i was one of those people that got furloughed and if you know me you know i am a hustler so i will find a way to make money but also i will find a way to find my next step right and so you know just in conversations with you know, um, former colleagues, just in conversations with just different people within my network, somehow, some way, uh, another search firm, the firm I currently work for, actually contacted me. And, you know, not only did I get hired by them with a higher title and almost a higher salary, but the, the industries that we're in, like, are actually, like, fundamentally interesting to me, right? Like I'm having the opportunity to work with some disruptive technology um, companies. I'm having the opportunity to work with um, some private equity and venture capital companies. And I think to Daryl's point is, you know, oftentimes we tell ourselves this path that we were going to go. Like I'm getting a doctorate in education. Nothing about, about my job is focused in the education field, right? And so, so often do we have this um, herd mentality, this game theory of like, all right, I'm doing X, so it has to equal to Y. And sometimes God is like, no, like I put you in X situation to be able to open up the door for the Y situation, right? And I think for me, it's just something that I'm incredibly blessed um, by and something that I thank him every single day for. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely have a similar experience where people fundamentally struggle to comprehend why I don't just go to work and be happy. Right? Because like if you if you live your life in like a checkbox system, you would think that we have reached the pinnacle, right? Um, and I, I heard someone say, I, and I, I try not to take credit for stuff I didn't come up with. Um, and it wasn't in this context, but I'm gonna use the concept is that I know for me, my desire is to create my own opportunities in this world. And the reason that is, is because you gotta remember what is given can be taken away Mm. but what you create will always be there right Mm. and so we have great jobs but the same way a job can be given you kind of heard will just say the pandemic can take it away um and so when it comes to being a creative for me it's not about just photography it's not about media it's about securing the opportunity to self-sustain myself, mm-hmm. right? And so if I wanted, let's say, and I know people may say, well, your field is so niche that it's perfect for that. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that's the case, right? My first passion, me and Will was talking about this the other day, was to be a barber, right? So I was probably 15 years old 14, 15 years old, cutting hair in my mother's garage. I have a business plan to own the biggest Black-owned barbershop chain in the world because that's just who I am, Mm -hmm. right? And so I don't think it matters what direction I would have went in. If I wanted to teach, if teaching was my passion, I would open my own school, Mm. right? And so we got to ask ourselves, regardless of what it is you like to do, and and, and, and if we're going to be honest, we have these debates with people, right? Because a lot of people say, 
life isn't about money, be happy, mm-hmm. right? And I think that's even a hard discussion to have because, because people need money, mm-hmm. in my opinion, I don't think most people know what even makes them happy mm. because they have to work, mm. right? If you, if, you, if you ask the average American, what would you do if you could quit your job? Most people wouldn't have a good answer. Like, this is what I really want to do, but I can't. Mm-hmm. And I found like, I feel like a lot of people are in those situationships with their careers and with their jobs. And it's definitely unfortunate. Definitely. I, you know, I definitely agree with you. And I think if nothing else that, you know, losing my job and thankfully being able to get a new one taught me is um, like the old saying goes, like if you die on Monday, they'll mourn you on Tuesday, put a job posting on Wednesday, hire somebody by Friday and have somebody new in your seat by Monday. Right. And does that, you know, does that say anything bad about our opportunities? Absolutely not. Like, you know, I'm very grateful for the opportunities that have been unveiled in my life, but I also understand that like, I cannot determine my financial well-being, nor can I uh, depend my, you know, my long-term earnings on somebody else. Right. And whether you work for a small organization, whether you work for a large organization, whether you work for the government, whether you work in the private sector, we're all dispensable at the end of the day. Right. And I think that goes back to that conversation about legacy that, you know, we started all this conversation talking about. I, one of my biggest goals um, in life is to teach my children to be financially free. Right. You know, um, there are different avenues, whether it might be the stock market, whether it might be real estate, whether it might be starting businesses that I can use that avenue to get to. There are a lot of our peers that grow up and their parents are already having these conversations. They're able to go to college debt free, leave college and, you know, um, whether there's a connection from mom and dad or a connection that they made because of their networks, they're able to start off at a pinnacle that we're actually at a low, we're actually at a negative, right? Like we talk about net worth, like they're starting off at, you know, let's say they get a job making $60,000 a year. They're starting off with a net worth of 60,000. Whereas for many of us, like we have $160,000 in student loan debt. So we're starting off with a net worth of uh, negative $160,000. And we're still trying to play catch up. And the higher they go, even as as we go higher, they go higher as well. And so I think one of the biggest things that Daryl and I have always talked about is creating those avenues to ensure that your children are financially free, right? One of the biggest ways to do it is home ownership, right? When we think about, you know, um, when we think about this idea of building wealth in America, the biggest avenue of doing so is by home ownership. When you look at it, a lot of families that have amassed a large amount of wealth, their parents or their grandparents, dating back to the Great Recession, uh, the Great Depression in the 1930s, might have bought a home for uh, five, ten thousand dollars, or in the 60s and 70s, bought that home for thirty, forty thousand dollars, and now that same home is worth half a million dollars, right? So just just take that into perspective. A lot of us, we grew up in communities where we're just renting is just the norm. Whereas there's a whole other idea when people actually own their own properties. People are able to take equity out of their homes to start businesses. People are able to take equity out of their homes to send um, their children to school. People are able to take equity out of their homes to buy more homes, right? And so when we when we think about financial literacy, we think about how we want to help prepare the next generation in order to be successful. One of the key questions that I always ask is, you know, what are you doing today to ensure that your future is what it is that you want to be? I saw a quote on uh, Instagram the other day, and it said, the riches that you're going to make in 2035 are going to be predicated on the decisions that you make in 2021. And I thought that was so pivotal. And I'm going to repeat that one more time. The riches that you're going to make in 2035 are going to be predicated on the decisions that you made in 2021. And I think that's so important because it's like, am I saying don't live your life, put all your money in the stock market, save? No, that's the farthest from the truth. 
And especially when it comes to investing, I, my, the biggest advice is always invest money that you're not afraid to lose, right? Because the stock market goes up and down, but it is an avenue to success. If you start a business, like put your heart and your soul into that business. Like don't, ha don't half-ass it. Like don't like do, do the bare minimum, like put in the work. All right, let me get off my soapbox for a second. Go ahead, Daryl. So I'm going to play devil's advocate because okay. I know that there are people listening who are saying all of what you are saying is great, mm -hmm. right? But we don't have the resources to do the stuff that you're talking about, right? Um, and I think it's a big, it's a big knowledge gap when it comes to finances, because there are people that if you, if you looked at their list of bills mm -hmm. and you looked at your, their income, there is definitely a discrepancy. There's definitely a lack, right? Um, but I think there are so many places that people can grow. And it's because they don't understand finances. Like growing up, I've seen some things. Now that I know what I know, it, it almost, there are things that I see now that just make me cringe, right? Mm -hmm. And so when you see family members who don't own homes, mm -hmm. right? And I'm, I'm 28, right? Mm -hmm. So for every adult family member that I have, I'm thinking it's like at least 30 years that you didn't own a home, right? Mm -hmm. But you've made enough to sustain yourself. And so that's that's when we talk about heritage and, you know, from heritage come air and like what you leave behind in legacy. It What you do matters to the people that come behind you, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And so you may like where you live at, right? but how can you set the people to come behind you mm -hmm. up, right? So we were talking, you know, we've been wedding planning and talking about homes for a while. It's funny because real estate agents, check this out, in certain communities would assume that young home buyers could be gifted a down payment for a home. Mm -hmm. I've never seen that in a community. I, I don't, I don't know nobody mm -hmm. who mom and daddy said, here's $60,000. Go buy that house. 60. I don't know nobody that said here's a hundred dollars. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And that, and, and people don't get, that is the difference, right? Mm -hmm. A down payment for a home mm -hmm. is a difference in you paying rent and you paying mortgage, mm -hmm. right? You're spending the same amount of money. Let's say, let's say your rent is a thousand dollars and you live in a three, a three bedroom or two bedroom apartment paying a thousand dollars. There's somebody who may stay in a four bedroom home that pays a thousand dollars. Right. And so not having, you know, we'll kind of talk about credit, not having that, that money to, to put on a house. Those are the things that make the world a difference. And so as we kind of plan our lives out, it's not really, it's kind of like, it's not just about us anymore. Mm -hmm. Right. Cause we have reached a place where we can figure all these things out on our own and, you know, but it's like so much bigger than that. You know what I'm saying? Like I, I like, I kind of talked about my granddad's earlier. I'm not rushing to get old, mm -hmm. but I, I can only imagine how it would make me feel to be in my 60s, 70s, 80s and see that the work that I put in every day, mm -hmm. how it literally changed and made an opportunity for somebody I didn't even know when I was doing it. So, so can I, can I add one point to that? Go ahead. So I wholeheartedly agree with you that, you know, some people are privy more opportunity than others, but I, 
I push back about uh, about letting that, allowing that to be a crutch, right? And I say that because in today's day and age, we are gifted with probably one of the best gifts that any generation has ever had, which is the internet. Literally, you can you can mention something and it will find you, right? And so, like, just going back to the whole home ownership piece for a second, there are so many programs and opportunities that people don't know about that could actually benefit them, right? And, you know, just speaking personally off my experience, when we purchased our home, there was a grant by the city that actually afforded homeowners up to $10,000 toward their down payment. And depending on what type of home you got, that could have been 50% of your down payment, or that could have been 100% of your down payment. Now, am I saying that those programs are, are gifted to everybody? No. But what I'm saying is like, you know, as we're having these conversations about wealth, as we're having these conversations about building up your family, like Google is your friend. Google is your friend and you will be baffled at what it is that you're able to learn. Just had to throw that little caveat in there real quick. I gotta go back devil's advocate. Cause I know my listeners, we, we, we've seen the backlash, right? Mm-hmm. There are some people and that's not, our, we're, I'm not talking about our listeners right now. Cause if you're listening to this, you're not in this category. There's some people that don't got internet. There's some people who didn't have internet until the public school system said that's the only way the kids can go to school. Mm. Right. And so Am I saying that those people don't have the opportunity? No. And I, I guess that was the point I was trying to make earlier. We don't understand finances enough because mm-hmm. the some of the people from some of the most impoverished places sometimes spend more than middle-class people, mm. you know? And so Talk it's about like, that. if you don't understand how finances work and mm-hmm. you're paying interest, and you're renting furniture and stuff that you're doing not because you want to ruin your credit or like sometimes you're literally just trying to make it Mm -hmm. right but you just if you don't really understand what you're doing you can find yourself spending so much more than people who have so much more than you and I think that's kind of where how the gap grows, right? Mm-hmm. And you kind of talked about interest and compound interest and you thought the TV was only $20 a week, but you paid $5,000 for a $500 TV, mm-hmm. right? And you didn't, and you probably never even realized it because they're not going to send you a letter to say, congratulations, you paid too much. Exactly. Right? Or send um, you a check for the difference. Right, right. Um, and so... Not saying that all people who struggle have bad spending habits. Definitely not saying that. But I do just want to acknowledge that there are people in different situations. But if you are listening to this podcast and you have the flexibility, and and this is the thing, if you don't have it, let's say you did your budget, you crunched the numbers, and there's nothing you can do. I think that's where you have to sit down and have the conversation with yourself. What can I do to put myself in a position to get to a place where I can make investments and I can do other things? And and so, yeah. And if you don't want to do none of that, that's okay. I don't believe it because you probably wouldn't be listening to this podcast. But if you if don't, you, that's okay. If you don't, it's okay. But we we're gonna we're gonna continue, and that's the thing we've. We've gotten pushback from people, but I think our goal and who we are and like what God put us through and our path is to encourage people to get to levels they've never seen before. Definitely. We're, we're, we're not, I don't think that this platform is a place to reassure or to make anyone comfortable about where they are or may not be. Right. Mm-hmm. This is this is a place where we want you everybody to stretch. Right. You know, no matter what situation you're in, being able to stretch to that next level. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so if you're at number 10, by the time you get done with this, we want you to be at least number five. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're number one, we want you to make the gap between one and two even bigger. Yeah. Like what where are you now? 
and how far can you stretch yourself to get things that you want? Because everybody can do more with more. Like, let's not act like wealth is just an unrealistic, useless goal. Mm-hmm. I think we can definitely change a lot of lives. We can change our communities. Um, and there's just so much more, like those people I kind of mentioned who may not have those opportunities. You know, the more the more successful that Will and I are, um, the more we can help people in those communities and help people in our families and educate mm-hmm. people that we know. And so I think that's definitely a big goal. Definitely. Definitely. So I know we talked about heritage and family. Tell us a little bit about your culture. Um, Cause I, I don't think you're regular black, right? Wow. This man just said regular black. Y'all get y'all boy. No, I, yes, I am regular black. I'm all the blacks as a matter of fact. Um, yeah. So I was born in uh, Cameroon, which is a country on the um, West Western central part of the continent of Africa. I moved to the States when I was six years old and it was a very, it was very interesting, right? Like growing up in a West African household, but in many aspects of the world, growing up African-American. And so that was an interesting perspective because I had the opportunity to see life from both perspectives. Right. And I think oftentimes, especially within the black community, whether, um, again, I can't believe this man said regular black, but regardless of where you came from, whether it might be the continent, whether it might be the UK, whether it might be the Caribbean, South America, I mean, so forth and so on, we have these different ideologies of what it means to be black. Right. And so being able to see the differences between the African, African American community, as opposed to the greater um, West African community. Right. And so I think like that was an interesting perspective in regards to understanding those different nuances within culture. And I think like those have helped me and enabled me to be who I am today, right? And so I fully embrace my uh, Cameroonian culture, but in so doing, I also fully embrace my African-American culture. And those are one of the biggest things that I look forward to teaching my son, right? My son is um, nationality wise, he's 50% Cameroonian. He's 25% Trinidadian. And in Daryl's own words, he's 25% regular black. Again, I cannot believe this man said that. Bro, regular black. Look, <laughs> shout out to my regular black people. <laughs> shout out to the blackity black people. Listen, it's a difference. Look, I think I I it's it's such a different experience though. Because when you when I've I've met so many people from different ethnic backgrounds that are all black. And I think it it impacts the way you view the world, right? I feel like when you're from another country where everybody's black, like like here in America, mm-hmm. black is my problem, mm. right? And I think that's where so many, that's where a disconnect for so many cultures is like, you know, this skin that I wear every day is like the root of my problem. Right. We talk about systemic racism and all this stuff. But when you come from a country in Africa, you realize it's deeper than black because everybody look the same. Right. And so you kind of get you see a different perspective. And I and I think there are some there are residual effects of racism and colonization and all that kind of stuff. But I think you can see more so you know, you can look deeper into issues when the person that you're having these issues with look like you, right? Versus here in America, you can get so caught up with the way you look that you never try to understand the game in order to, you know, win it at a later point in life. So I disagree. I I disagree because racism and color, racism is a very real thing. And I don't want to dis, uh, disconnect that, but a, a thing that I think a lot of people don't realize, um, and it's present in America, but in other countries is especially present, is colorism and also tribalism, right? And so when you take countries, when you take continents like South, South America, for instance, like in Brazil, in Chile, in uh, Colombia, like when you think about Brazilians, what do you, th- like when you think about a Brazil, all right, for first, uh, just specifically thinking, when you think about a Brazilian woman, what, what do you think of? 
yellow woman. Do you know that the majority of Brazilians are are my skin color or darker? Yep. And see, but again, that's what we've been taught to think, right? We've been taught to think that in Brazil, um, to be the idea of beauty, the idea of um, of looking gorgeous, or even like certain um, Hispanic, um, like uh, Afro Latino cultures, like they have a lot of black people because again, all this derives from the slave trade and so forth and so on. That's a whole nother conversation, but racism might not necessarily be a thing there, but colorism is a very strong thing. Also, let's talk about tribalism, right? So let's use my home country, uh, uh, Cameroon, for instance. In Cameroon, Cameroon is a country that was um, conquered by both the British and the French, and at one point, the Germans as well. Cameroon's uh, broke... Uh, Cameroon is broken up into two... <laughs> I'm sorry, this ain't funny, but y'all got jumped. <laughs> Listen, something like that. But Cameroon is broken up into two different factions, the Francophones, which are the French speakers, and the Anglophones, which are the English speakers. Like, my country is currently in the midst of a civil war. Like, I can't take my son or my wife home because my country is in the midst of a civil war because the Anglophones where, you know, who are the people from where my family's from are being murdered, are being uh, kidnapped, are being killed on a daily basis every other day we're getting a whatsapp message about somebody getting kidnapped or somebody getting um murdered because they're anglophone right and so yes race is not necessarily a uh an issue in regards to white or black but tribalism and colorism those are very prevalent and i think those are things that we have to be careful when we talk about them uh especially within our different contexts because depending on where you're from they can look very different right and i i mean i didn't say that to say that there weren't issues i was just saying that to say it ain't just because you're black and that like that was i wasn't saying that there wasn't problems and there wasn't systemic issues in those countries as well um like i know for example like I got a minor in Spanish, so I used to l learn about all all the black people that don't want to be black in all the Hispanic countries and Dominicans saying they white and they look like me. Um, but I definitely think every I, like you said, anywhere you go is definitely a struggle. And I don't even know how we got onto this topic. Oh, you was telling me about Cameroon. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so let me tell y'all about me. Let me tell y'all no, about where you called me regular black, so that's why I was I got on the subject. You but got continue. offended. You got you can't be sensitive. This <laughs> to all our listeners, this is not a zone of sensitivity. <laughs> yeah. Can't be sensitive, man. You you should, but I mean, I feel like I feel like that. Even, it's funny though because you, you would think that like a comment like that, mm -hmm. like if I say I'm regular black. I would be proud to be like, oh yeah, I ain't just regular black. Like if I was just from somewhere else, I think I would have like, you know, that pride in my heritage. Like, oh, mm -hmm. you know, I, you never just hear, I've never heard anyone foreign just be like, I'm black. But but can I explain why I, I kind of take offense to that? Go ahead, go ahead. So, because again, it's this notion that, and it's interesting too, right? Because it gets a little bit deeper because you have this, ideology or at least this is my experience growing up where this view of africa or this view like pre black panther and pre uh wakanda whenever you thought about africa daryl be honest i know you about i know you're not about to say listen, i know what you're talking about we listen, can be honest about it no let, let's be honest pre before you actually learned about the continent daryl when you heard about africa what did you think of Look, let me say this. Go ahead. I know what you're gonna say. I know. I, I know what you can say. And no, answer the question. I just want you to answer the question. I'm gonna say, Larry. So you want me to be like, okay? I heard about Africa mm -hmm. on Feed the Children. Mm -hmm. It was giving out bowls of grits. Mm -hmm. The little baby <laughs> stomachs were swole. I mean, honestly, oh that. But that was that wasn't the first experience. The first mm -hmm. experience was slavery. There you go. That's actually what I want to get to, right? And so it's this notion that like when, and it's interesting too, because when I talk about my experience, I look at it from two vantage points, right? 
you have Africans that think that, you know, and, you know, this is not depicting of the entire continent or every African that comes to this country, but you do have a good majority of Africans that believe that they are, in fact, better than African-Americans. Don't say some. That's the majority. Well, we, we no. won't debate. We won't debate that. We, I know I, a lot of people who feel again, that way for again, a lot of reasons. Again, I am just using anecdotal evidence. No, don't but try you, to don't try to save y'all. y'all no, y'all y'all be arrogant. Don't, but don't do that. but on the flip side, you also have a lot of African Americans that that uh, have this notion that how dare you? The opportunities that you are afforded are because of the sacrifices that my ancestors made, right? But the disconnect comes that these two don't really know about each other's cultures for the major part, right? Like I have a lot of aunts and uncles that honestly and truthfully, they don't even believe that slavery was a thing, right? And so like they have this notion again, what they've been taught or what popular media has told them about who African-Americans are they view them as lazy, they view them as irresponsible, and they view them as, you know, just the scum of the earth. Whereas I have a lot of family and um, friends within the African-American community that's like, yo, you got some nerve. Like, yeah. the job that you're afforded is because, like, trailblazers like Thurgood Marshall, um, Asada Shakur, um, Dr. King, Malcolm X, um, I mean, you name them, made these efforts, died for these efforts. So you're availed to this, right? And I'll add this last point before I go on. A couple, a couple years back, there was a protest by Black students at Cornell University because they realized that Cornell was um, perpetrating this um, opinion about lending um, so many Black students when we actually looked at the numbers more of the black students that were at Cornell were actually international students. So they were from Nigeria, they're from Cameroon, they were from um, the Caribbean, they're from South America, and a very small population of them were actually domestically born black um, students, right? Or as you refer to them, regular black. And so it's one of those situations that like, I think so often we get this, um, there's a lot of discommunication. And so the, the reason why personally I get offended by the term regular black is because I don't think anybody is regular. We're all from somewhere, whether, you know, it's no, me. But we don't have our, we don't have the culture though. And we, I think that's where oh, okay. we get offended, okay. right? Because we don't even have the luxury, mm. the luxury of saying I'm from this tribe. These are my people mm -hmm. in my country. Right, those mm -hmm. those are I'm I'm explaining it from the American side, right? Okay, All like right. everybody knows, people from African countries are very proud people, mm -hmm. right? Rightfully so, but you know that that's the energy you get. Like you don't know who you are. Mm -hmm. I know who I am, so make room for me, right? And it could be it you it could be like sensitive because you if you think take it back far enough, you like. You like your great great granddaddy, so my great great granddaddy. We we from the same place. Yeah. But somebody was loyal and somebody won't. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it ain't that simple, but you know, like it can get contentious, man. Mm -hmm. I think there were think, slaves that there were uh, Africans that did sell slaves. That that exactly. is also very true, right? And so I think for some, I think for Americans, um, African Americans, sometimes it's like. We don't have the culture, mm -hmm. right? We don't have those roots. And the, the one identity we have, everybody wants to be included in it, mm -hmm. right? And so mm -hmm. I say I'm regular black. Like, we not all the same. And like, it's only a problem when I say it. Like, it's inclusive, let's all be black. But like, our experiences are different. You can say I'm Cameroonian uh -huh. and you can shine in that light. But All you can right. also say you regular black. So I have a question for you. What? What is your What does your fiance identify as? I, I don't know the answer to that. Yeah, yeah you man. do. I don't. You're, I, you're, I guess she. I mean, she's a proud American. She's a proud Nigerian. So when I, when, when you all have children, what are your children going to be considered? Bro, 
I don't I don't know. That's a great question. Nigerian Americans. I don't I don't know the answer to that. Will. Are they gonna are they gonna be regular black though? No, <laughs> they're not. They not, Will. I know they not. You you can tell you're gonna be able to tell by their name. They not. And that's okay, but it's like I think that's just part of the story. Like mm-hmm. that is part of my story. Mm. You know, like when you hear like even we t- we talk when you talk about just how deep the culture is and the tribes is and mm-hmm. like you guys like can hear each other's names and just be like you were born on Wednesday you were the second <laughs> child and it was raining outside <laughs> like y'all you know what I'm saying y'all be having names that be so deep like your mother there was a stillborn before you and you were the child right after. And not to, not to mock the culture, but it's mm-hmm. just so much meaning into it. I get it. And then, like, regular black is all we got, bro. Well, son, I just want to let you know that I embrace you into my family. <laughs> if you want, you can be honorary Cameroonian. No, I'm trying. I, to, I'm just trying to be black. Everybody trying to be black. <laughs> I'm just trying to survive out here in this in this harsh America. Don't make me go down my uh, Black History Month soapbox. So that, and I think that actually brings up a really good point. I would love to get your perspective on this, right? When we think back into um, the the late 50s, early 60s, there was this push for go back to Africa, right? And especially for Black people who had lived in this country for like centuries now. Like, let's not forget that slavery was like, the institutional slavery lasted for 400 plus years. So even before the Emancipation Proclamation, um, that Lincoln put forth and, you know, with great help from Frederick Douglass and um, the abolitionists at the time, like black people had been in this nation for centuries. And so as a, as somebody who is presumably a descendant of slaves, um, how do you feel about that whole notion um, when, when others try to make that uh, perspective that this is not really your country? It's, it's, you know, I think it's a sad reality, mm. right? And the reason I say that is because because of the way history played itself out, mm-hmm. like, I don't even know if there's really, because, like, there's so many issues, too, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, we talk about going, like, go back to where you came from. Number one, we can't figure out which country it was. Mm-hmm. Um, but even if we did, I don't know. I feel like there was so much, like America wasn't the only place suffering. Mm. And so many of these countries, we talked about just just how all these countries were colonized. Mm-hmm. Countries are just getting their, like when we talk about the 60s, there were African countries that weren't even independent yet. My country just gained its independence in 61. Right. And so we're talking about going back, going back. But when you get there, you like, so <laughs> are y'all in control? Or like, it's, man, and I don't want to get into like deep in the history, but like we got the short end of both sticks mm. in so many ways, man. We, mm. we, the resources in those countries and just the wealth of knowledge just was literally raped from those countries and mm-hmm. just left the shovel. So I don't, I don't know if I definitely don't think going back would fix it. Mm-hmm. Cause I just don't think we would have the, I don't know. I, just, I don't even think we would have the influence to even, I don't even know what that would look like. Mm. To be honest, I mean, I don't even know if we would. I don't even think it's just about whether we're welcomed or not. I just don't know if there would be the. I don't know. Hmm. It, it would be. It would be an interesting, interesting experience for sure. Definitely. Well, this this episode took a turn, but I love it. And we're yeah. definitely going to have to do a follow-up part two to this. We're running yeah. a little bit low on time, but this was definitely a really good uh, conversation that I know I personally thoroughly enjoyed. And I learned a little bit. Like, yeah. I, I, 
it's good to get different perspectives. And I think it goes back to something we talked about earlier that you don't just want to surround yourself around people that all think um, the same as you. And I think one of the biggest reasons why you and I are such great friends is we have very different ideologies about a lot of different things, but we have a way that we're able to have those conversations without necessarily like going to each other's throats. And even do, even when we go to each other's throats, are we still doing a very uh, conservative way? Right, right. Yeah, and I think I think that's what makes the podcast fun. Me and Will disagree on a lot of things. The one the one thing we agree on, and it's this is sound, I ain't gonna say it. No, say it. Say it. We ain't gonna be broke. Listen, say one like, time for the people in the back. We we ain't gonna be broke. Like that, I think, and I don't think that means that we'll do anything for money. We're not out here. On OnlyFans, <laughs> there's a lot of things we could be you ain't doing. Gonna do we, that for a little piece of change, <laughs> <laughs> bro. We ain't out here slinging dope. We ain't, we we doing it the right way, man. And we hoping to encourage a lot of you to to kind of join us on that journey. Um, but I definitely encourage you, man. I know um, Ashley is from Trinidad, mm-hmm. part of her family, and you know my fiance is from Nigeria. Um, so definitely as you begin to make these connections with people and friends, and if you, you have relationships or people are from different cultures, ask those questions, right? Mm-hmm. You know, th- this podcast is sponsored by the Heritage Clothing Group. Like, ask people about their heritage. You know, what does what does life look like for them? And culture plays a big role on what your goals may be, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and so ask those questions. I think... Most times they are uncomfortable, um, but I think if you can kind of get past that point, you can really learn a lot about people. Mm-hmm. Um, so let me, since I brought it up, let me shout them out one more time. Make sure you guys go to theheritageclothing.com. Use the promo code JAP10 to get 10% off one or two crew necks. Um, great friends of ours. Uh, make sure you guys shot with them. Um, and with that, we can go ahead and wrap it up for this week. We hope you guys enjoyed, learned a little bit about us. Um, but by now, I hope you know this is definitely more than just another podcast. Um, so until next time, peace. This podcast was brought to you by Optical Illusions Photography and Media. Let us capture your best moments in the perfect way.